in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Hey, hey, it is time for more of The Last Comic Shop! Where we open up the shop to newbies in order to help them find their way under the comic book tent. And where we keep the lights on for the oldies so they can level up by uh, reading and talking about the comic books. Although on this program, we're going to be doing a little more than just talking about comic books. We actually have a movie review. Hooray! We finally get movies back in movie theaters. Uh, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined, of course, by J.A. Scott and Chad Smith, who you've heard. And if you're wondering what we're going to be doing on today's program, well, first, we're going to talk about the comic book. It is Taskmaster. But in addition to doing the Taskmaster five-issue limited series that recently came out for Marvel, we'll also be reviewing the Black Widow movie, which happens to feature Taskmaster as the main heavy. So there is some kind of synergy in, in today's movie book picks. So hopefully if you've gone out and seen Black Widow in either the theaters or on Disney+, Plus. Uh, and you're like, wow, that Taskmaster villain, he's super cool. Well, here's a comic book that you can check out at your local comic book shop featuring that villain. <laughs> so the Taskmaster five-issue series uh, came out starting in June of 2020. It's written by Jed McKay with Alessandro Vitti as the artist and Guru EFX as the colorist. And VC's Joe Caramagna on letters. Yes. Jed McKay, his name seems familiar. He's doing some other books over at Marvel, isn't he right now, Chad? He is, he is. So he is currently writing Avengers Mech Strike, where all the Avengers are fighting Kang in time, and uh, they all get fancy robot suits. That's fun. And he's part of the big launch of Moon Knight. They're rebooting Moon Knight yet again, uh, and Jed McKay will be at the helm there. In addition, he's been writing the Black Cat series as of late, and uh, he's a name that uh, keeps popping up in various places. Very, very cool. All right, let's get to that 10-cent synopsis. Jay, you want to do the honors this week? Sure. So uh, this takes place in a world where Maria Hill has been killed by Taskmaster, or has she? <laughs> it looks like he's been set up, and Nick Fury comes to the rescue because... That's what Nick Fury does. Takes Taskmaster under his wing because he needs to find out why and who killed Maria Hill and why Taskmaster was set up. So they band together to figure out this problem. And hunting Taskmaster the entire time is the Black Widow. And she's going to kill Taskmaster for killing Maria Hill. And Taskmaster has to basically uh, go and find these people so he can emulate them to unlock this thing. And it kind of gets spy around there. Uh, <laughs> but basically, it's uh, Taskmaster versus the world. And he wins by losing a lot. Yeah! 
Yeah, and that's the, you know, my initial thoughts on the Taskmaster character. I I won't lie that I really, really enjoy Taskmaster in this book. I, I, I feel like for those folks that are, are, are listening to our Hawkeye Freefalls show, this he is like equal but opposite to Hawkeye in that he's a baddie. There's no question he's a bad dude. But at the same time, he's kind of got those lovable scoundrel-esque aspects of it and his own moral code which actually makes him very, very interesting. I think the most telling part of this book is towards the end when he's running away from, like, I don't know, Black Widow or something, and he says, you know why I've stayed in the game so long? It's because I know when to cut and run. Like, I'm not one of these super baddies that, like, will stick in the fight out of pride or honor or something. No, no, no. If the heat's on, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. And it was refreshing to hear a supervillain with that kind of candor. So I, I really did enjoy this book just from the regards of the of the main character of Taskmaster. Well, that raises a question. When did Black Widow get retconned into, like, the world's most senior badass assassin? Like, well, you know, I mean, in, in the level of assassins, she's supposed to be better than Elektra. They don't mention Deadpool, but, I mean, come on. It's Black Widow. In the 80s, she was the useless. She was always manning the computers back at the station. But, no, I, I appreciated they made Black Widow almost in, like, that Punisher role. Uh, that you'll often see the Punisher as, like, the boogeyman, you know, that's out to get these criminals. And when they talk about Black Widow, and you see Taskmaster talk about Widow with, you know, fear in his eyes. You know, fear behind a skeleton mask. Uh, I thought it was really cool, and it went a long way to elevate that character. Just because I feel like it makes sense. Black Widow is a character that is not uh, front and center, like your Captain America's or your Spider-Man. So she does more of like the tactical espionage stuff. But for the people in those circles, like you would recognize. Well, wait a minute. You know, if she's still around and still kicking. You know, there's something to it. Right. But I, I do agree with JA in the fact that, like, at times. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of like our conversation a little while ago about power levels, right? And it's all about the writer. Like, if you want a writer to come in and say, like, look, we need, you know, Black Widow to be a credible, you know, antagonist in this. Like, you know, we need to pump her tires, you know, significantly so that she feels like this ominous presence throughout these five issues, always just one step behind Taskmaster and pushing him forward in something. I mean... I, I will be honest, like other books might not do that with this character, but I will say that one of the benefits this particular book and when it comes out is this is post Secret Empire in which Black Widow is killed. Yeah, you can't kill her. She's the worst. It's right. <laughs> She's just going to come back. Captain America snapped her freaking neck and now she's back. And I think as any person... Uh, that's just like a standard street level character, whether you're, you know, a taskmaster or what have you like these type of characters, they're not supposed to come back. Like that's more ground level. That's boots level. That's like, you're not supposed to be immortal or come back or whatever. So the fact that black widow can't be quote unquote killed and she's come back from the dead, that's gotta be unnerving for any super villain. It, it naturally pumps her tires a little bit. Just that, that fact. And I, I, I take a little bit of umbrage just because this is Black Widow swimming in Black Widow's pond, so to speak. Like, you're dealing with the spies, you're dealing with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, you're dealing with the espionage. Like, that's where she lives, that's where she makes her bones. And so, whereas she's presented as this over-the-top force, like, 
I, I believed it. I, I bought in, like, in this world, like, Black Widow would be one of the tops of the heap. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong, I loved it. I'm just, it's not the Black Widow I know who's, you know, punching the computers back at Avengers headquarters. And <laughs> Wearing the fishnet stockings and that weird, I don't know, that weird mask like she was in the 1960s. Boy, go back and look at some old Black Widow costumes. They're just awful. <laughs> <laughs> I like the 80s one, the gray one with the spider. That was yeah, one. I mean, I, and I, I was a big fan of the 70s one when she was hanging out with Daredevil. I was a huge fan of that costume. But go back and look at her 60s costume. It's rough. Mm. But if, if we're going to talk about, like, bad characters, it starts and stops with Hyperion. Really? Just, just why? <laughs> wow! You know what? That was my favorite issue. Now, again, for those folks that maybe haven't read the series, I mean, what it is is, like, you know, Taskmaster has to go around and he has to go to all these different places and pretty much MacGuffin people. Like, the people are the MacGuffins. Like, he has to, you know, find Agent Coulson, who's leading the Squadron Supreme right now. That's where Hyperion get, comes in. And then there's uh, Koye from Wakanda. And uh, this woman in Korea. Which I never heard of her, actually. Uh, but regardless, the second issue is all about him basically fighting against Superman. Again, that might get my analogy about Hawkeye and like how he's the equal but opposite. He even steals one of Hawkeye's moves with the boomerang. Like, I don't know how that works physically. <laughs> Just physics doesn't work on that one. But it's comical I, I don't know. physics. I mean, Hyperion is. I get that Marvel and DC have a lot of analogs, but that one's just how could how could Marvel get away with that without getting sued? Seriously. I, I mean, I guess as I said, I, I was a big fan of Mark Winwald's Squadron Supreme, and I and and right now the sleeper hit of the summer for me has been this Heroes Reborn, which is all about like what would happen in a world that didn't have the Avengers, and basically the Squadron Supreme was the top dogs, and it's basically recasting all of the Marvel characters as DC characters, which was, it's awesome. Like, I don't know why it's working, but I love it. We're going to review it by the end of the summer, guaranteed. Yeah, I love that Hyperion issue. I do. I, I love that fight, and you see the Taskmaster there, and he's like, oh, I hit so hard. You're like, oh, and he's just, he's taking this beating. It's it's a pummeling, almost like Daredevil versus Namor, you know, where, like, Hyperion's giving him credit for, like, he keeps getting yeah. back up. You know, at the end of the day, he's like, why'd you let him beat you up so bad before you... You pulled the MacGuffin, and it's like, oh, I need to make him underestimate. And like, that was badass! And, and, and that's pumping the tires a little bit of the Taskmaster, for sure, too. Like, I mean, there were so many cool little moments with Taskmaster in this. My favorite part, other than the Hyperion fight, was any moment when he would talk about, like, this was a Batrock kick, or this oh, is yeah. a, this is a uh, yeah, Shang-Chi punch. The last fight against Black Widow, where he breaks them all out, like, panel to panel. He's like, Batrock, Daredevil! Shang-Chi, Iron Fist, <laughs> none of them work. I mean, he's getting hits in, she's getting hits in. It's even better, he doesn't know the names. <laughs> he's like, that punch I saw that one time, that kick that Iron Fist uses, that time cap threw me out the window. And like, I love that. Like in the Avengers book, they started doing that with like Doctor Strange spells and all that, like calling these things out. But like, Taskmaster doesn't know. He's yeah. seen them, he can do them, but he doesn't know what the hell they are. Yeah, my favorite moment of that was in his fight with Okoye, when he basically, I think he does like a kick to the sternum. I got mad props for you now, because like basically I saw Batrock use that kick on Captain America, and it knocked the wind out of him, so it, it's got to work for me. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. You're a, you're a comic book nerd. 
yeah, remember that one panel and they did that thing? That was awesome. I'm going to do it. And he never takes off the mask. That's the awesome part, too. He's like got that code. He doesn't take off the mask. A little it's like the Mandalorian. Man, I love with the Koye how he's flirting with her the entire time. Man, you took that kick. That's kind of hot. Is there a Mr. Okoye? Like, <laughs> I, so uh, I, I guess my, my big question is, do you feel like this particular series, I, I guess, works for not only, you know, kind of setting up the Taskmaster? I, I know it's kind of like almost like a little bit of a movie tie in a little bit. Like, you know, they're putting the two characters that are mainly in this uh, Black Widow movie. But did you guys come away with a better understanding or respect or love of taskmaster or was it just like man i thoroughly enjoyed this five issue miniseries i think he comes off as sort of you know he knows he's bad but he's like you know bad to a certain level and uh gets away with it very anti-hero yeah it's kind of like his costume yes (laughs) it is true it is true, and I love that at the beginning when he's just like, I beat the Red Skull three years in a row or something like that. He's like dusting himself off. Best Skull outfit ever. But I think it's one of those things where, again, he's he's likable in the same way I feel like people like Boba Fett are likable. Like, he's so cool. He, he does look at it as a job. He's a bad guy, but he does it for a living. You know, he's not like Bullseye who's psychotic. And for that, you, you kind of can't fault him. I would say... He's cool for one reason and one reason only. It's that skeleton mask. Everybody knows skeletons are cool. That's I like books. I like the hood and, and the fact he uses a sword and shield. I always love that. Like, I'm like, who uses a sword and shield anymore? I, 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 I like the musketeer boots. Oh, yeah, the, the pirate boots. Yeah, I don't know if that still works. But, uh, no, the thing I love about Taskmaster is, one, he's competent. Like, he's got a really cool power set where if he sees a move, he can repeat that move. And that's just something like, imagine if you could do that. Imagine if you saw somebody, you know, do awesome stuff and like, oh, now I can do awesome things. (laughs) But then, too, the character himself has really grown on me in the last couple of years. I've been reading him a lot teamed up with the the irredeemable Ant-Man, Eric O'Grady. Yeah. And they, they made a good, you know, cowardly comic duo. They're just in it for a job. They'll turn on somebody in an instant. And that's always fun. That's That was part of the appeal of like Deadpool early on, where it was like, whoever was the highest bidder, that's who Deadpool would go with. And it's the same with the Taskmaster, where it is a job for him. He, he knows he's getting played in the book, but he doesn't want to have responsibility for having killed Maria Hill on him. And so he's doing this for totally personal oh, he does, he doesn't want, pursuits. Yeah, I mean, he's doing it because he basically doesn't want Black Widow to kill him. Yeah, there's no altruistic right? motive in here. No, he, he doesn't kill her, and then he, he leaves the sign, I didn't kill Maria Hill. Leave me alone. But it, it is just fun to watch somebody be bad and be competent about it at the same time. And he has that trigger he can pull where he's like, and I'm a coward. I know when to run. And there are so many scenes where it's just him running away. Right. Yeah. And I think the most refreshing part of the book is that some writers, once somebody becomes so cool in terms of being a bad guy it's almost like you know in professional wrestling where eventually yeah they have to start making him a face or a good guy because enough people are like oh he's so awesome i respect him so much like he does cool things and you know this like there's no question he's still a bad guy like even at the end when he like basically is willing to like almost destroy the entire planet i guess his satellite from space just because he's like 
screw you guys. I'm not going to be used like this. Like, I want them to know, like, the Taskmaster, he don't take guff from anybody. Again, I respect him madly for that, but there's no question he's still a bad guy. And so I, I really like the fact that they don't take the easy way out of like, oh, you know, he's he's super cool. So we got to make him a good guy. He, he's doing this for his kid. And, and so it makes it all better. Right. There's yeah. no underlying motivation that that people will be. Oh, now I understand. He's just misunderstood. Aww. No, no. He's just a competent mercenary. Right. And, but it, it makes it so great because while he's doing it, there's so much fun here. And I think, too, Jed McKay does a really great job writing, like, from the very outset at the golf course when he shows up in his full costume. And the guy's like, why'd you have to dress like that? He's like, hey, you pay for Taskmaster, you get Taskmaster. <laughs> but there's so many fun little moments like that. So many fun, silly things throughout this book. But at the, at the end of the day, you know this guy is going to screw you. You know, if you need a bastard, call Taskmaster. And it's and it's nice because, again, I think that's where, in, in some ways, Deadpool started going wrong. Is like eventually Deadpool became so cool that they were just like, meh, we'll make Deadpool a good guy. Or some people will consider Deadpool a good guy. When I actually think Deadpool works better, kind of similar to Taskmaster as just being some sort of mercenary. That's just me. But there's a reason why Taskmaster has a limited series and shows up as a background character in a lot of books and why Deadpool has been mainlining books for 20-some years now. Like, they had to make Deadpool a good guy so that they can sell Deadpool costumes and Deadpool movies and Deadpool action figures. And, like, Taskmaster, he's almost too competent. Like, you couldn't make a series out of this guy, I don't think. He's, he's like, a geek-tastic deep cut. Exactly. He's, you know, he is the Boba Fett, where it's like, if you had Boba Fett in every show, every movie, you'd be like, oh, more Boba Fett. Like It'd be like Stone Cold Steve Austin towards the end of his career. Yeah. Like, oh, he's going to run out. He's going to do the stunner. He's going to catch some beers, uh, whatever. And you get bored of it. But uh, when used sparingly, I think that that's where Taskmaster shines. I don't think he's a character that could hold his own series, you know, over hundreds of issues. But every now and again, it's fun to, to hang out for just a bit. All right. Well, it's now time for our ratings. It's a one out of four scale. And as always, every single week, J.A. Scott gives us an interesting way to rate our book. So, J.A., what is our rating scale for Taskmaster? Taskmaster, the villain who can copy anyone. One out of four Xerox machines. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So we'll start off with Chad's, given this was his pick for this week. So, Chad, how many Xerox machines are you putting your fanny on? So I I really enjoyed this series. We didn't mention the art, but that's where I'm going to dig it slightly, just because they use so many people that are based off of MCU existing actors. And I know because of likeness rights, a lot of times they mix it up a little bit. But I didn't feel like Phil Coulson looked like Phil Coulson. The Nick Fury was just off enough that it, you know, and I know this is the son of Nick Fury in the comics, and it's not the Sam Jackson character, but like that stuff was just off enough that I'm like, ah, I, I don't like that. So I'm going to say three and a half Xerox machines. Okay. J.A., your, your uh, number of uh, copiers? I'm giving it a full four Xerox machines. Wow. Whoa. Get out that ream of paper and start making some copies because it was just great great writing witty tight story i like 
a five-issue run, none of this 17, 20, 25, 30, looking at you, X of Swords. <laughs> you know, nice, competent storytelling in a limited series, uh, not unlike the Hawkeye show. Just enjoyed it. Uh, art was good. I didn't mind the analogs to the MCU type stuff. Yeah, I did have to look up, why does Nick Fury look like Samuel L. Jackson? Ah, and then I had to read about it, that it was the sun and everything, because I had, I had missed that whole part. But... I do love the way he's facing off against Bullseye at the beginning, and Bullseye goes, I'm the real deal! You're just store brand! <laughs> like Dollar Tree version of Bullseye's. I'm the Kleenex, and you're the Giant Eagle brand. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing, just in a different box. Way yes. safer for Taskmaster, though. I think, uh, in terms of Xerox machines, I'm going to have to give it a 3.5, similar to Chad. And the main reason I'm doing that is because I wasn't a big fan of issue three. Like, it was kind of neat how, like, Taskmaster kind of created, like, an escape plan by basically filling a bunch of goons with, uh, and making them to turn into a psychic bomb so that he could escape. But it was kind of like, how did he really need to know that he needed an escape plan like that? So that's why it's going down. But I will say this, that for those folks that are listening to today's program that maybe aren't reading a lot of comic books, maybe they're here specifically for our Black Widow movie review, you they should pick up this series. Because if you're an MCU nut, you're going to get a lot out of this. It's going to introduce you to a super cool character in Taskmaster. And then it's just going to basically say, yeah, there's Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. There's Maria Hill. I know who she is. There's Hyperion, which is pretty much Superman. So you just go with that. And then you're like, oh, there's Coulson. There's Okoye. These are all good friends. And then there's Black Widow. And there's the white fox that even faked me out because on the back cover or on the cover of that one, you know, she has that black costume and the white hair. And I thought, oh, that's going to be Black Cat. Like, McKay writes that book, he's bringing Black Cat into this. That white fox tricked me. But, you know, that issue three that you didn't like, though, how cool is it that he's injecting them and he's telling them, oh, you're going to have the strength of ten men, and then they go to fight that uh, South Korean superhero, and they're like, Taskmaster, you bastard, you cheated us! (laughs) (laughs) I know, I mean, all of the issues have some sort of redeeming quality. That's why I'm recommending it, that, that folks that maybe, again are sticking around just for our movie review, they, they should go pick it up because they're going to enjoy it. And it's five issues. You're in and out. Very clever. Like, I liked seeing how Taskmaster got out of each thing. And, you know, it revealed something about the character each time, whether it was the planning, whether it was the endurance, whether it was the make them underestimate you. Like, yeah. Whether it was his smooth nighttime vibes with Okoye. Hey, that's right. <laughs> you do it. I, uh, I, I, you know, I've often said that, like, comic books should be given out at movie theaters. Like, when people buy a ticket for a movie, like, they should give a free comic book. If I was giving a free comic book, this is the one I'd give. Because, like, although everybody's going to see the Black Widow movie, I think it's more important that people know about Taskmaster. Everybody knows who Black Widow is. I think it's good that she plays the antagonist in this. So give somebody else a little bit of time to shine. Okay, so for those folks that are sticking around for our movie review of Black Widow, we'll have that right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more of The Last Comic Shop. Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, 
as well as our distributor, Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, if you're interested in how independent films get made or the process of filmmaking, also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, tune into my show, The St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And as promised, it is now time to get to our movie review. It is a movie review of Black Widow, which has taken a long time to come out in theaters and on streaming services. I mean, gosh, I think it was it was supposed to be the start of Phase 4 of the Marvel Universe, which was supposed to happen last May. But because of COVID, everything's got pushed back. And actually, well, WandaVision was the start or whatever. But yeah, we're finally getting around to reviewing um, Scarlett Johansson's potential swan song with the MCU and how she'll never come back unless they throw gobs and gobs of money at her, which... Well, she did get... Uh, was it an executive producer credit on this one? Well, they, they had to do something to make up for the fact that the entire movie was stolen from her <laughs> every time every time Florence Pugh was on screen. That's or David Harbour. There are lots of movie thieves in this one. That is yeah. true. It was kind of a snore fest until her quote-unquote family showed up on screen. I was like, oh, well, these these folks are a little more, I don't know, funny? I, I It's weird. It was really hard for me to get worked up for Black Widow because Black Widow is a character I don't really care about at all. And I honestly don't think uh, Scarlett Johansson's done a very good job of making me care about her over even a thousand movies. Now, I forgot about that- your... Black Widow hatred, Andy. I was just going to say, is that because of Scarlett Johansson or is that because of how Black Widow has been written throughout the Marvel MCU? Because she has been sort of just, I mean, she's a spy, so she's supposed to be whatever they want her to be. I think that earlier on in the series, she was a lot better and then she just became a bit more superhero-y. If I recall, Andy's big thing was the fact that Black Widow was now considered one of the original Avengers and... He never considered anything more than the dame in the chair. That's true. Back at headquarters, and he got his feathers all riled up about that. I did. I, 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 you know, one of the big six, not even close. Like that's Wasp's job. She's the primary like female protagonist on the Avengers staff. Where's Wasp? Now I got Black Widow. Eh, maybe it was easier, less CGI to put her in, other than Janet Van Dyne. But I still kind of peed off about that. Plus the fact that <laughs> Scarlett Johansson just looks sad a lot of the time. She looks sad or, or annoyed. And then Force oh. Pugh comes on and she's all excited. And I'm like, that's, that's what I want from a superhero. I want Florence Pugh who looks like she's all excited and happy to be in this movie. Not like beaten down by a decade of doing these things like Scarlett Johansson looked like. Wow. Yeah. I do not agree with your ScarJo hate here. Yeah. <laughs> As I am a big fan of Mrs. Colin Jost, uh, and wish her nothing but the best. I think her I... performance is thoughtful. Uh, she carries a lot of emotion in her face that is character accurate and appropriate to the movie setting. <laughs> All right. I still think it was a it's a strange movie to kick off a whole new phase of the MCU with when it's essentially a movie that takes place before the end of Phase Three, but. 
That being said, let's hear the 10 cent synopsis. Andrew, what do you got? Uh, For those people that haven't got to see it yet, it's really the story of what happens in the aftermath of Captain America Civil War. Team Cap and Team Iron Man have fought and they've gone their separate ways and Black Widow's on the run from Thunderbolt Ross and... Ultimately, it delves a lot into her origins as part of the the Red Room and how she was uh, part of like a secret spy family living in Ohio. David Harbour, who's the Red Guardian, him and Florence Pugh and Rachel Weisz, they all comprise this little family over three years, lived in Ohio and stole some mind controlling stuff that allowed the Red Room to really control people like they didn't control people before. I, 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 anyways, there's lots of explosions and Taskmaster comes after some folks, which I'm not going to tell you who Taskmaster is. I, I'm not going to spoil that. I will in the cast lister. <laughs> Carry on. It, it's, it's pretty easy to pick out when when halfway through the first set of the movie, you don't see where the heck is Olga Kirilenko? Because she's a pretty big movie star. To, oh, she must be Taskmaster. <laughs> She should put out uh, that Olga Kirilenko is the only one of all the main listing cast that's actually from Eastern Europe. The rest are British or American actors. And you can tell by the fading Russian accents. Yes. Yes. Especially Rachel Weiss. Like, she went back and forth. I was like, boy, she really studied hard to live in Ohio there because (laughs) her accent barely exists sometimes. (laughs) Uh, The one that got me was the Drakov. I think he forgot he was in a movie. (laughs) Just standing around waiting for coffee. I had a hard time figuring out who that was for a long time. I was like, oh, that's the guy from the Crystal Skull movie, the Ray Winston guy. I thought it was Ricky Gervais at at, at certain (laughs) points because he kind of looked like him with the glasses. I was just like, wait a second. He wasn't in the cast list. Who is this person? Ray Winstone, by the way, the movie, the beginning and ending of all Ray Winstone, Sexy Beast. I haven't seen that one. Oh my god, you've got to watch Sexy Beast. It's a British uh, gangster flick. <laughs> but that's the 10 cent synopsis. I hope you enjoyed it. Big explosions. And then uh, and yes. then family. Yes, family. And and then, you know, just Florence Pugh the icon for most of the movie. Every time uh, she's on the screen. The moment she started talking about pouches on her vest, yes. I, I thought of Chad immediately. <laughs> I was like She's a she's a Rob Liefeld lady. She loves that. You can Can't stick go. so many things in there. Dental I know, there's so much stuff. <laughs> she goes, I, I've even added some of my own. <laughs> like you're you're, you're you're enjoying being in this movie. I like this. I'm sorry. That's everybody in this movie was wonderful except Scarlett Johansson for me at least because I was here to have fun. It was it, there wasn't a lot of plot here, and so like I just wanted to have fun. And I think folks like Florence Pugh and David Harbour, they brought the fun. They brought the family. They brought the, this was like a family heist movie. And they were the ones that brought that to the table. If you had just had Scarlett Johansson and the other stuff, it would have just been like three other movies that I already saw. And so I'm glad that that other stuff happened. Yeah, I I think it struggled with what kind of movie it wanted to be. I mean, there were parts where it was like, okay, we're going to be like this hardcore cold war but not the cold war but you know they wanted it to be the cold war but you know the the timing doesn't work out because then they would all be in their 50s if they're in ohio in the 80s 
so you've got sort of this espionage thriller bit and then under tying all that with this like you know exploitation of women and and human trafficking and then every so often because it's a marvel movie you've got to have these big elaborate action set pieces which feel almost out of place with some of this dark theme stuff and this family stuff they've got going on so the i thought the catalyst to drive the plot along, this mind control drug was just stupid. <laughs> I think that was the weakest part of it. That's to your point, Andrew. It didn't get going until the family showed up, and that's only when it became interesting. Mainly because they got all the best lines. And I think even some of like the New York Times or Washington Post movie review sites that basically it was an okay movie, but Black Widow was overshadowed by all the supporting cast. <laughs> Well, I think that was by design, too. I think Garlett Johansson and Black Widow, that character's purpose here is basically to put over these new characters. Uh, I like the wrestling terminology. Pass that belt on. That's right. She's going to pass the torch. But for me, I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I thought it had a stellar cast. We've already talked about how Florence Pugh and David Harbour were both great. Uh, Rachel Wise was good. I thought the villains were kind of eh. Mm. I've been thinking a lot about the Taskmaster. I thought it was cool, and I could see in the Taskmaster's motions, like, that physical aspect of the Taskmaster character. But with that said, if this is the only time they use the Taskmaster, I think they wasted the character. Yeah. Uh, but the flip side of that is, if this is just the introduction and Taskmaster is going to show up in other places, I still think, like, they didn't ruin Taskmaster. I know a lot of people are up in arms. Like, I, I don't think they ruined the character in the least. It's just they didn't tap into nearly as much of the potential as they could. Taskmaster the movie, not nearly as interesting as Taskmaster in the comic book. Uh, the, the one we just read, just because the one in the comic book's got a story and, and a backstory and, and uh, you know, real character development. And this one is just a little bit vanilla. Yeah, definitely. And I thought the, the Ray Winstone, and the Drakov character, he was a vanilla bad guy, too. But I did think the movie uh, did really well. With those family scenes, every you know the family was great. I thought the spy action scenes, those were really great uh, set pieces. The battles were good, and I did worry a little bit of what I I call the Rogue One effect, where it's like, why should I give a darn about this story? Yeah. Like Rogue One was one line in a Star Wars movie, so they expanded out. It was it was a good movie. It was a solid movie, but at the end of the day, I walked out of there and I was like, I don't care about this. Everybody's dead. <laughs> Who gives a crap? But with this one. The saving grace was that stinger at the end, you know, where you've set up now uh, the, the Pew Widow and the Red Guardian, maybe even Taskmaster to play with. For that purpose, I think this movie might have, quote unquote, you know, value. But I, I don't like going back and rehashing the stories like this movie was definitely three or four years too late. Yeah, not even counting the delays. Yes. In fact, this is a movie that I feel like in some ways uh, is going to seem better in retrospect years from now when folks can just do their Marvel cinematic and chronological order and actually put this movie where it belongs, like right. watch it before they watch Infinity War. Like the rest of us, we already know what happens. But for nobody that's ever watched this, which I don't know, maybe people that live in a cave or people that are like three years old, like then they're going to get a lot more out of eventually watching this piece of the puzzle where it's supposed to happen. And I will agree with you, Chad, that I like how they moved some of the puzzle pieces out on the board and then tied them to other 
uh, ongoing franchises. Like, for example, I love the fact that the, the Countess shows up uh, as the handler for the new uh, Florence Pugh uh, widow at the end during the oh, post-credit yeah. scene. And it ties directly into not only Falcon Winter Soldier, but probably the new Hawkeye show that will eventually be on Disney+. Plus. I would not be surprised if Florence Pugh doesn't play a huge part in eventually the story about Kate Bishop and all that stuff. And it harkens back too to the the stingers for Iron Man two and the Incredible Hulk when Nick Fury was showing up places and collecting pieces. Now you just have the Dark Avengers version of that. Um, the one thing that I, I, I thought with this movie was the character of the Black Widow. You talked about she's sad all the time, but I thought she was uncharacteristically sloppy in this movie as compared to all the other Avengers appearances. Like, she always seemed like she was the one with the plan. She was always the the mastermind, you know, to get people to talk or get information. And in this one, whenever she and and her sister Yelena go out to break Red Guardian out of prison, it's just like, you run in the middle of the prison and we'll blow a bunch of stuff up. Yeah! It, it was a fun sequence to watch, but it was like, it wasn't until the third act, just whenever she uh, managed to trick... Drakov. That was the only time I felt Widow was like that calm, cool, like super spy assassin. But and otherwise, that third act is the same third act they've done in every Marvel movie since Civil War. Ship is blowing up. Oh no! Oh yeah. Speaking of the ship blowing up, that was where I was like, "Oh, really? Come on! No, no, thank you." She kicks uh, Yelena away because Taskmaster is skydiving at her, and they oh, end up yeah, jumping from versus. from piece of blown up ship the piece of blown up ship i was just like no this is yeah. stupid well no but i was a happy camper over that particular scene because i think it mirrored a lot of the first issue of mark wade chris somney's black widow series which has a similar situation where black widow jumps out of helicarrier and it's like her fall down to earth like these shield agents are shooting at her and stuff like that and so I, I loved it. I was I was a big fan of that. I was like, I remember reading that at the time, and I'm like, oh gosh, if that doesn't show up in the Black Widow movie, the MCU's got it wrong. Well, there, lo and behold, the MCU again gets it right with at least in, you know well, cherry picking great scenes from books. She wasn't riding a motorcycle like she was in the comics. <laughs> well, and I will say that it was weird that like every single time any of these big events would happen, like them breaking these people out of prison. Isn't like Tony Stark like constantly monitoring the entire planet? Wouldn't he have seen something and at least sent a set of Iron Man armor over there to be like, I wonder why there's these huge explosions over here in Russia? Might as well check it out. And yeah, you find out that the Red Room is this giant floating base in the clouds i'm like you know satellites can see through clouds right it's, it's not like it's hiding all right well let's get our our rating uh, scale for black widow the movie uh ja what are we going to rate this uh this particular movie uh based on uh one out of four matryoshka ah a very very difficult sound effect but uh, we'll go with it uh chad how many matryoshka i, I have dolls. a question there you go okay nesting dolls nesting like dolls. i enjoyed this movie for the the two hours that it was on uh, i had a lot of fun i watched this one in my home theater experience and normally when that happens i have a hard time fighting my cell phone where it's like my cell phone is right there 
And like, if I'm in a movie theater, there's no way I touch my cell phone. But if I'm watching a movie at home, like the temptation is great. I had no, I only picked it up like three times, but it kept my interest, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Florence Pugh was so much fun. And the fact that she made fun of everything that Black Widow did, but then did it herself and like did it with joy. That's really exciting. And I can't wait to see that in, in the, the Marvel universe, David Harbor. He was great. But the, the best thing was whenever they meet up again with the mom and she's like, you got fat, but you look good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was so exciting. And he said in retort, I've been in prison for a long time, but I've got a lot of energy. <laughs> I look so great. So awkward. It's like you see this look at her like she's a Thanksgiving dinner at that point. We didn't talk about the pigs. How insulting was that when the pig comes in? He's like, hello, Alexi. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but there were lots of fun parts. Uh, like I said, though, there were things that, you know, the, the villains were weak. The third act was a little bit tired for me. Uh, so I'm going to give it 3.25. Matryoshkis, Matryoshkis. Methuselahs. <laughs> All right, JA, what are you? How many uh, Russian nesting dolls are you giving this one? Yeah, this is hard. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that the movie probably comes out to about two and a half to three Matryoshka. That's because most of the movie is like a two, 1.5 to two, and every time Yelena Belova is on screen, it's like four and a half nesting dolls. So it averages out and. Definitely watch the movie because you, you get this part. But I, I found the YouTube clip. It is Yelena Belova being an icon. And it's a five-minute supercut of all the best stuff of that. You can just watch that over and over and over again. It's just awesome. I'm, I am really looking forward to seeing her in the Hawkeye TV show. I think if they write her the way they did in this movie, she's going to steal that one as well. Very good. I think I'm going to give this a 2.5 Matryoshka dolls, just simply because, again, to Chad's point, it's really hard for me to get excited about anything where I know what happens to the main character. There wasn't any sort of like, oh, no, is the Black Widow going to survive this? Of course she does. She dies later. We, we know that. Mm. And again, I, I just felt like Scarlett Johansson had enough of this you know, and she was doing this one last movie or whatever. Maybe it was a movie that should have happened earlier, back like, you know, when after Age of Ultron. Maybe they would have should have given her that one because maybe she would have had a little more enthusiasm for it. I, I just didn't feel like that compared to everybody else on the screen. Like David Harbour was oozing like charisma and like wanting to be in this movie so badly. Like, you know, that scene where he's like just basically beating everybody in the arm wrestling. He's talking about the, Oh, Captain America is my big rival. <laughs> and wasn't he in the ice when you were the red guardian? And they just breaks that one guy's arm. It's the best. It's a major. And, and Florence Pugh, to, to J.A.'s point, she's wonderful. Rachel Weiss is wonderful. Everybody around Scarlett Johansson just brought energy, and that's why the movie picks up once they're on screen. And uh, I, I, unfortunately, they're only on screen for half of it. You know, there's like a half hour before even Florence Pugh shows up. So I can't give it more than a 2.5 because everything else was just kind of... To Chad's analogy, I think Scarlett Johansson was playing Andre the Giant in this. 
and just showed up at the Pontiac Silverdome and was like, <laughs> all right, I got to have Florence Pugh just pick me up and toss me down. And on that note, like, and it's interesting. They brought Scarlett Johansson in here to do the job for in wrestling terms. But I still don't know where the MCU goes from here. Like, this movie still is treading on pre-Thanos plot lines. Like, there's nothing in here that indicates where the Marvel Universe is headed now that all their, their major players are, are done. You know, without Cap, without Iron Man. Like, I, I still don't have a picture after this movie. Like, this was supposed to be the start of their new wave. Um, and I don't think it, they did that. I think they spent a lot of time swimming in, you know, old waters. But it's kind of neat that it's like another puzzle piece in the street level or espionage side of the MCU. We've gotten so carried away in recent years with all the cosmic stuff that it's kind of cool to bring it back down and say, like, yeah, comics are also about the street level dudes. One fun thing, I don't know if you guys picked this up or were, or, were thinking it. Whenever Taskmaster was on the screen, I was like, ooh, that's Black Panther. Ooh, that's a cat move. Oh yeah, and I kept and I kept thinking about the comic. I'm like, I wonder if Taskmaster is thinking that in his head. <laughs> no, it was great, and you could see the moves, like you could recognize the body language. Yeah, and I even looked it up. I couldn't recognize. I wanted to see if any of the stunt guys that did this movie and played Taskmaster were the same stunt people who did Cap or did uh, Black Panther in some of the other movies, but I couldn't find a listing to confirm that or not. Well, that would be cool. If any of our fans out there have any information on that, leave us some comments. And make sure that you also stay tuned for our recommendations coming up right after these messages. Stay tuned. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? Well, look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, The Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section, where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. I'm just so so freaking excited! You can also find us on Twitter, at OblivionBarPod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for recommendations. That opportunity for us to fill your ear holes with other comic books that you should pick up at your local comic shop. So if you enjoyed the Taskmaster that we talked about earlier in the show, or you're maybe thinking about good Black Widow series uh, might be out there, well, we've got some recommendations for sure. And as always, we like to do a similar book, a current book, and a book out of left field. So got, of course, our similar book this week, and that comes from J.A. Scott. And as I said, if you want a Black Widow book, I think he's got one for you. Yeah, if you liked the movie, if you liked uh, the Taskmaster that we just reviewed, I recommend picking up the first six issues. It's been condensed into a trade of the 2014 Black Widow comic. Uh, The trade is called The Finely Woven Thread. It's by Nathan Edmondson with art by Phil Noto. And it basically tells the story of Black Widow searching to atone for her past as a KGB assassin. And uh, she goes to Russia 
undercover, so you get all that cool espionage stuff that uh, we like about Black Widow. And then she goes up against this group, Hand of God. She's outmatched by this powerful new villain. How is she going to deal with it, facing all these tests? And uh, turns out, as these things go with espionage books, it's not just confined to your past or Russia. It's something that will destroy the world! <laughs> Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die! <laughs> it is always wonderful. They've always got some way of destroying the world or something like that. But, yeah, I, I won't lie, it was going to be one of the possible picks for this week's show. Like, I was sincerely thinking about uh, reviewing that book. But, again, I, I picked Taskmaster because people don't know as much about him. But that's a great, great pick. As for the out-of-left-field pick this week, I'm going to go next, and it's really uh, in regards to those folks that maybe are listening to our program because they love the MCU, and what better with the MCU than the Avengers? It's what everybody thinks of, and I'm going to recommend some classic Avengers, which I really, really love. This is an epic collection, which is, again, it's almost like an omnibus in trade paperback form so you don't get the hardcover or whatever but you get tons and tons of issues and this one in particular is called this beachhead earth and it's got the classic lineup of artists and writers that i love from my tail end of the silver age into the bronze age of the avengers it these are issues of the Avengers released between 1970 and 1972. You've got Roy Thomas doing the writing duties, and then you've got John Bushima, Sal Bushima, and Neil Adams doing art. It, it has the classic team that I really love to so the big three, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, but then you also get uh, Hawkeye as Goliath, so he actually is huge and he's got that if you remember from our hawkeye freefall show that weird man bra outfitter or whatever where you can see his bare chest yeah he's, he's got that but you also get scarlet witch you also get vision in this you also get black panther quicksilver just a wonderful team and they go up against folks like the squadron supreme which we've been hearing about you get some Interesting stories by Harlan Ellison, the great sci-fi writer who was a good friend of Roy Thomas. He does a couple issues that kind of uh, dovetail into a really great uh, Incredible Hulk story where he, the Incredible Hulk shrinks down and becomes a barbarian in some microcosm world with his green princess Jarella. And it's got the best title of any comic book ever, The Brute That Shouted Love at the Heart of an Atom. What an what okay. epic title! It's all carved into stone. It's it's so great. It's it's wonderful. They kept calling back to that during World War Hulk and uh, Planet Hulk and all that. So I definitely have to check that out. Anyways, regardless, uh, it finishes off with the original Kree Scroll War. Uh, almost twenty issues here, from issue seventy-seven to ninety-seven of the Avengers classic run. And uh, I, I think for your money, there's no Avengers better. And uh, now we've got our current book from Chad Smith. So, Chad, what's our current book this week? Okay, so my plan, we talked about Jed McKay a little bit earlier, who I, I was going to talk about the Daredevil series that he wrote that was kind of before Chip Zdarsky's run. But uh, I had also heard a lot of things about his Black Cat book. So, like, I'll say an hour and a half, two hours before the show started, I fired up the old Marvel Unlimited. I was like, oh, I'll read a little bit of this Black Cat run. I read the whole thing, you know, it was 12 issues, an annual, and then three more of another series, but it's Jed McKay, he starts off, he writes them all, Travel Foreman is the artist, and then there's a, a ton of other artists that show up along the way. 
but Black Cat, the old Spider-Man villain, uh, she has her gang. There's Dr. Corpse, who's our, her scientist technology guy. She's got her wheel man, who's from Pittsburgh. Uh, and then her old mentor, the Black Fox, uh, is looming in the background and, and helping her plot out things from time to time. But Black Cat is this very elegant, classy character. And each story, it's like usually like one or two issue arcs where she goes and she steals from the Fantastic Four. She steals from Doctor Strange. Uh, she steals from the Thieves Guild, which is this you know organization set up to be the big bads in this story. And then she teams up with people like Wolverine and Spider-Man and Beetle from uh, the Superior Foes of Spider-Man. But it's tons of fun. And it's Jed McKay getting to be clever and plotting out these things. Black Cat is still a bad guy, but uh, you, you see her motivations. You also get to see her date Batrock the Leaper, and you, got, you get to see them have a nice little date. Wow. Uh, you get to see her talk to her mom, uh, you know, about being a super criminal. It's tons of fun. There's all sorts of heart. And there's all sorts of silliness. It's the, you know, old school comics ridiculousness where she's, you know, simultaneously like, she fights Blastoff, along with uh, Johnny Storm and the Fantastic Four House. And then Sue Storm comes home, and all hell breaks loose, because you don't have with Sue Storm. But <laughs> the series is great. Uh, it started in 2019. It stopped and then restarted uh, with the King and Black event. I enjoyed every issue. And I, like I said, I read them all within two hours before the show started. I was looking at the clock and be like, all right, I have to be down there in five minutes. I have to finish up this last issue. But it, it was so fun. So good. I highly recommend it. It's uh, Jed McKay writing The Black Cat. Uh, check it out. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm. It's interesting that you brought up the Superior Foes of Spider Man. We would we we should do that book later on this month or something like that. I we love sh- that book. Anytime those characters show up, like uh, the little sparkle happens. Like, oh look, yeah, it's, I think it's good because I mean this Taskmaster book. It, it kind of piqued my interest in like again baddies being baddies. And if there's a book out there that's got baddies being baddies, it's Superior Foes of Spider Man. So we'll definitely do that in some upcoming weeks. That's what we call a tease, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to hear our Superior Foes of Spider-Man show, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to our particular program over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can basically find all of the links to all of those podcasting platforms that we're on. Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, CastBox, etc. And if you like the show, uh, help us out with a rating. Uh, if you don't like the show, don't bother. But that would really help and give us you know, a little bit of, you know, hey, we're doing okay and you like what we're putting out there. And if you go to our website, you'll also find that we've got some merch. This week only, skulls and hoodies to go with t-shirts and our beer koozies. So, uh, oh, i got to get me one of those skull masks. Where's another place you can get a skull mask, Chad? Maybe. I mean... Maybe. I don't know. You might be able to find one along with the Taskmaster, along with Black Widow, along with your classic Avengers... You can find all these things and more at your local comic shop. If you don't have a local comic shop, you can go to the comic shop locator at www.comicshoplocator.com and find one near you. And finally, did you like the Black Widow movie? Did you like what we thought of the Black Widow movie? Make sure that you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop or on Facebook at Last Comic Shop Podcast. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson, and I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, 
and always remember to stay on task. Just make sure that you do what the Taskmaster would do. Yeah, That's save one. money by buying store brand. Yeah, it's always better. Come on. It's the same black beans, they just put it in a different can. Andy's joke was more on the nose than the name Tony Masters. <laughs> The last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production. <laughs>